last of a four-part series that we've been doing on the subject of money. And following on from John Bodley's excellent talk last Sunday, Deb and I will both be letting you in on some personal convictions that we share, giving you some insights into what motivates us personally to, to invest in the kingdom of God. John spoke on the subject of giving, and so this is like a part two of that. Now, in speaking personally, we run the risk, I suppose, that we could be perceived as saying, look at us. Aren't we wonderful? Well, we're not, okay? Uh, We're just seeking to respond faithfully to the Lord's calling. And it's worth noting that there will be those of you who are far more generous than we are and who give out of far smaller resources. But our hope is that whether you're already a generous giver or whether you are new to this subject, you'll find something in what we share today which will be inspiring to you. Some of you may be thinking, well, they're only speaking on the subject because they want the church's income to grow up. And while that's not the only reason, I can be quite honest with you, it is one of the reasons. Just as many of you are considering the impact of the increase in the cost of living, energy prices, inflation, the impact they will have on your circumstances, the reality is that as a church, we too face the costs of doing all that we do here increasing. We're carefully looking at different ways that we can steward the money that we have well and to make cost savings wherever we can. However, as we recover from the impact that COVID had on the church and now engage with inflation and the cost of living crisis, the truth is that the church's income does need to grow if we are to continue to do what we believe that God has called us to do. So part of our reason for teaching on this subject is because usually when we do so, many people respond by either starting to give or increasing the amount that they are giving. Let me be clear that for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, we are absolutely thrilled that you're here, wherever you are in your own home or if you're in the room here, and uh, we hope you'll find this to be an interesting talk. We're not after your money, okay? We have no expectations on you at all. But hopefully, this talk will explain something of why we as believers freely choose to give financially to the church. There is another reason we're speaking on this subject, and that is that it is one of our favorite subjects. Whether the church did church needed more money or not, we would talk about generosity because, as you'll pick up, we are passionate about it and we believe it's absolutely key to the life of any truly committed disciple of Jesus. So we're going to give you today six reasons why we personally give. So the first reason is because it's an opportunity to worship God. God is worthy of our praise. He's absolutely awesome. And we give in response to him giving us everything every breath, every heartbeat, and ultimately pouring out his own life for us on the cross. His grace lavished upon us. And our response to that grace is to freely give. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church, uh, he writes them about money and he refers to it as the overflow of grace, to the invitation to be extravagantly generous. I know I've been on the receiving end of God's absolutely extravagant grace. I I grew up in a wonderful Christian, loving home. My parents loved each other. I I had a privileged education, yet I still made bad choices, and I did things that I regret. I did things that would be, you know, bring shame on my family, and also I pushed God away, and yet God showed me amazing, extravagant grace. So for me, it's not enough uh, to express my love in songs, but it has to cost something as well. 
True worship involves sacrifice. And many Christians today around the world are making sacrifices to worship. Our Iranian brothers and sisters who are suffering in their own country, persecuted, having to leave their family and friends in order to worship Jesus freely. So I don't want to be, and I don't want us in this church to be lukewarm Christians. We can choose devotion through our giving. We can give to our God who gave us everything on the cross. At times, our own giving has meant that things have been a bit uncomfortable. Uh, it meant second-hand clothes. It meant Asda's own brand food. It meant while other people went abroad and had summer holidays there, we camped in the rain. I, I distinctly remember one occasion uh, sitting in the tent and the rain pouring down and the kids sort of bickering and you know, falling out with each other and just thinking, oh Lord, this is uncomfortable, but this is because we worship you. This is because we love you. Sometimes our worship, certainly mine, has been immature, um, like little children who, where everything is given to them and I'm, I'm standing there wanting to just receive more and more, um, like children as dependent receivers. But you know, it's a joy, isn't it, when our children grow up? And uh, for us, I remember the time when our kids invited us out for a meal. And then they were going to pay for it. And uh, we realized that they were discovering the joy of giving to express their love. In Mark's gospel, we see a woman uh, who breaks an alabaster jar of perfume over the feet of Jesus. And uh, the onlookers were disgusted you know, not only might this have been her life saving, her investment in the future, but it looked like a terrible waste. But Jesus said in Mark 14, she has done a beautiful thing. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be also told in, her, in memory of her. So Jesus saw worship. So we give because it's an opportunity to worship God. We also give because it's an opportunity to experience joy. Um, I love what it feels like. I love what it feels like to give. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it tells us that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when the Israelites and King David um, were celebrating because they had been able to give extraordinarily to the building of the temple, in 1 Chronicles, David exclaims, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And I know as a church, and we've seen when we've given together for something big, and the children have sometimes come in to the building with either presents or their own money. And it's just been such a rush of joy to watch that and do it together. Apparently, science shows that giving and kindness affects our sense of well-being. It, it increases our feel-good hormones. And um, I also know what it's like to be on the receiving end of giving. When we were living on very little, when we were living by faith, John was studying at London Bible College, and I remember one point we didn't have money to pay the rent. And I was sitting on the end of the bed, and I was just crying out to the Lord, Lord, what are we going to do? You're going to have to provide for us. And the next morning, a check came through the letterbox, which covered our rent. So I feel joy because I understand the impact of giving. Here at Trent, we see the impact of our giving on, on members of this church, on the poor, on the vulnerable, on people in our own city and beyond. And so it feels really good. It's, it's actually empowering, even if we can only give a little. I remember when John was asking the church to give sacrificially 
for this building, but then talking about furnishing this church. And he said, there may be some of you who can only give a portion towards one chair. But that chair has been sat on by hundreds of people. Some have given their life to Jesus. And so we give because it's an opportunity to experience joy. Thirdly, giving gives us an opportunity for obedience. In our late teens, Debbie and I drifted away from God for a few years. And as we came back to him, we decided to make some radical steps towards surrendering our lives to him. And one of the first areas, before we started, before we stopped misbehaving in other areas, the first areas <laughs> we chose to align to his will was giving. The Bible is clear that disciples of Jesus give. And so for us, giving was and is a simple issue of obedience. And similarly to John Bodley, who last week shared his own experience of tithing or giving a tenth, I made a decision to do that. So in my third year as a student, I decided to start giving a tenth of all the money that I had coming in. And I decided quite radically to backdate that giving by a whole term. Now, I had zero in the bank. So I went with my visa card, stuck it in a hole in the wall and withdrew cash and gave it to the church. Now, I would not teach that as a model, okay? It may not be wisdom, <laughs> but it was this moment of saying, I'm going to step into this place. And there were some months initially when we weren't exact about always giving at least a tenth, but it wasn't long before that became a habit, which has now continued for the last 40 years. When we understood the biblical teaching of giving 10% to the Lord before anything else, we just made a decision to always do that. No matter, you know, that was our commitment before the Lord. No matter what, no matter, we lived, we've lived in times of poverty and times of plenty. But whatever, we would give at least a tenth of what we had coming in before other things, before we spent stuff on ourselves and before we gave to other things on top of that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 4 tells us, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and to not fulfill it. Many of you may have agreed with your spouse or you've told others your practice or you've agreed with God that you will give a certain percentage of your regular income to the work of the church before other things, other offerings and so on. And I would encourage you not to let that slip. If you're married, talk about it. If you've had a rise in income in recent years and you've not updated the amount that you give, it's worth considering whether your current practice matches up to what you have said you would do or what you intend to do. And we've shared this uh, act of obedience together as a church. The month before the church started, I was in a generosity seminar at a conference and I made a pledge at the end of that seminar, I wrote it down, put it in a little box to say this is what we will do at Trent Vineyard, that we would set apart at least 20% of all the money which came in to be given away or spent on things which benefit those outside of our church. And 14 years ago, we increased the 20% to 22%. Now that vow, if you think about it, didn't cost anything to make, nothing. We had no people and we had no money and we were a month away from starting the church. And we were just trusting the Lord to provide for us and for the church, everything that we would ever need and the whole lot more on top of that that we would be able to uh, give beyond ourselves. And over the last 26 years, it's an absolute joy what has happened. It cost us nothing to make that vow, remember? No people, no money. We've been able to give away or invest in things which benefit those outside of our church a total so far 
of over seven and a half million pounds. That is amazing. Amazing. To help bless those in need, other churches, projects all over the world, and on and on. That active obedience had a significant impact on others. As we seek to be obedient and faithful in our giving, the reality is that some will have more resources to give than others do. But we're all encouraged to give according to our means. James Rankin, who went from our church with his wife Jen some years ago to plant the Cardiff Vineyard, he told us a story that just beautifully captures this. They received a letter from asylum seekers <coughs> in the church. There are advantages to hand-holding a microphone. That's not one. As in, <laughs> one of these mics. Some of you are listening to this on audio, on podcast, and you're thinking, what was that? And what is he referring to? I won't even mention what it was. Back to the story. They received a letter from these asylum seekers who were being provided Tesco vouchers to buy food and enclosed were four £10 Tesco gift cards. And the letter said this. As we do not have money, we are unable to pay our tithes and offering in cash. That's just unable to give in cash. Therefore, we would be grateful if you would receive our tithes and offering in Tesco vouchers until we have money of our own. Sorry for the inconvenience. Wow, that is profound. It's also challenging, isn't it, to those of us who have so much more. Last weekend, last Sunday, someone approached John Bodley uh, after his talk, explaining that they are on universal credit. And in recent months, they've started giving, but were only able to give uh, a small amount in the little boxes by the door. And they asked if that counted. Oh, yes, that counts. The person who Jesus praised the most in the Gospels for their generosity was a widow who put in two small copper coins in the offering. He compared her to the, those who gave out of their wealth, and he commended her for giving out of the very limited means that she had. It's not about amounts. It's about obedience to steward well what the Lord has entrusted each of us with. So giving gives us an opportunity for obedience. Giving also gives us an opportunity to express God's nature. In Genesis, it makes it clear that we have been made in God's image. Through us, he expresses his nature of generosity. And we only have to look at creation to see all the good things that God has made around us for us to live in. In John 3.16, it tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he gave so that we could have life in him, life everlasting. And in John 1, it says, Jesus himself says, I, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He endured the cross and he gave us his life. And yet I so often am selfish. I think about the next thing that I want, the next thing I want to buy. And not surprisingly, the church uh, predominantly in this country is not known for generosity. But wouldn't it be wonderful as image bearers of God to be known to reflect his generosity? Generosity with our time and our energy, with our belongings and with our money. You know, early on in the life of the church, we made a decision that we would fund small groups uh, with something that they might want to do to bless those around them. 
And what the, one of the first projects we did was to clear up uh, a single parent's uh, garden, which was a bit of a wilderness. It was um, beautifully turned into a nicely planted garden for her. I remember one group coming to us and saying they would like to spend the money on buying drinks for people in their local pub. And we thought that was a bit unusual, but it actually led to some amazing conversations. And so over the years, we've been able to do lots of things, paint murals and creosote fences. And this week, I heard of a lady who, she's a member of Trent, and um, she was moved after hearing about children in Nottingham who leave the care system, age 16, and are placed in temporary accommodation. These are uh, young people, predominantly women, because they're at risk. And so they are placed into... um, a place of shelter, and they have a little budget, a basic allowance, but they can't afford things like shampoo. And so this ladies' small group got together with other groups in the church, and they got donations from shops, and they made up Christmas packages worth about £50 for each child. And it was made up of fluffy bath towels and gift vouchers and beauty treatments and other treats and a card with their name on it, letting them know that someone sees them, someone cares for them. And I remember when we had raised the money to build the children's centre and uh, we were able to go to the council and say to them, what is it that you haven't been able to do because of the cutbacks for children in our city? Uh, We'd like to fund some of those projects. And they were just, their eyes filled with tears. Giving is an opportunity to reflect God's generosity. Firstly, giving gives us an opportunity to experience God's blessing and protection. In the Old Testament, when the people of God were under law, God said through the prophet Malachi in Malachi 3 verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. God is saying, if you want to find yourself under my blessing, be faithful in giving a tenth. If you want to find yourself under my protection, again, be faithful in this. I used to be a jeweler before I was a pastor, and I remember 40 years ago sitting in a shed making an engagement ring for a customer. And I was listening to what was known as a cassette tape. (laughs) Uh, Some of you won't have heard of that, but it's uh, something vintage uh, of a talk which... John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, uh, gave on this text. And really his thrust was, if we want God's protection from things going wrong, like our olives or our grapes dropping off before harvest time, and we want God's blessing on our life, then we need to be faithful in giving. Oh, and I had fairly recently become faithful in giving. And as I was setting this diamond, and it requires quite a lot of force and pressure on the claws to be actual do that setting, it suddenly pinged. And like, where was it? It was on the shed floor somewhere. But the problem was the shed floor was made of planks with gaps between. And this diamond was worth more than a week's wages. So I'm like, I knelt down on the floor and I got a torch and I'm looking around and like, the chances are very high. It's gone forever. Please, Lord, I'm listening to this teaching and you know that I have recently become to be faithful in this. Please help me find it. And then I did at last find it. Like, oh my goodness. Trust me with your giving and your olives won't fall off. That was like the thing I remembered (laughs) from there on out. And we've experienced that in a very real way in our lives. Debbie mentioned it was 35 years ago. We were, uh, I was for two years 
uh, at London Bible College and we were what's known as living by faith. That means not writing lots of letters and inviting people to give, but simply we set a budget, uh, we included in that budget giving a tenth of it away, and then we just prayed and we just waited. And amazingly, we were uh, provided for over that time. But sometimes things got very near the edge and things were getting really tight. And we would look at each other and said, what should we do? Hey, let's give some more away. Let's just go and give a gift to someone who might be in more need than ourselves and really cast ourselves on God's promises. And God saw to it amazingly during those two years of study that we were given everything that we had budgeted for and everything we had given away on top of that. The following year, as I started work as a decorator bivocationally uh, with the uh, job I had in the church, our beloved Ford Capri was dying. <laughs> so the gearbox, first of all, needed replacing because it was very, very hard to change gear. And then some careless driver smashed into the driver's door, completely meaning it wasn't openable anymore. We continued to drive it, even though you had to climb over the passenger seat to actually get in. And one evening... Debbie and I had what you might know as a lively discussion about whether we should borrow some money and actually buy another car or what I was pushing for was let's just continue to limp along. I, you know, I know that our baby has to go in a car seat. It was in the old days, it was in the front seat, but you have to put it and then climb over him. A very undignified thing to do, to get into the driver's seat. But I'm like, we can manage. But Debbie said, could we pray for a car that God would give us one? And so I said, okay. So we prayed for a small car, with a working gearbox and a driver's door. And that was a Thursday evening. Two days later, some friends who we hadn't seen for a couple of years came to visit us, and our car was parked in the street such that they couldn't see the other side of it, the smashed-in driver's door. And I was also borrowing a van for my decorating business, so it looked like we were a two-vehicle family. And as they were putting their coats on to leave, they said, we're a little confused. Do you need a car? It's just that we strongly felt the Lord tell us this week that we should give you ours. And they were getting a company car provided for them and had this beautiful Vauxhall Nova, just three years old, surplus to their needs. Amazing. We've never asked for a car before or since, but within two days, the Lord answered that. And through these experiences and many more, we've learned that God was serious when he encouraged his people to be generous with their first fruits, trusting him to provide. It's a really valuable lesson because when finances get tight, as they are in this season, our human reaction is often to think the best way to protect ourselves and ensure that we have enough is to hold on to what we've got. With rising bills and food and petrol, inflation on everything, it could be tempting to actually reduce our giving in order to kind of tide us over. But it's counterintuitive, but I believe God would encourage us to do the very opposite. There's a lovely little text in the, this is the New International Version, Deuteronomy 15, referring here specifically about giving to the poor, but I love the phraseology. Do not be tight-fisted, rather be open-handed. If we hold on with a tight fist to what we have, God looks at that and he's like, well, how can I get in there? How can I bless this person? How can I do anything? They're just holding on with a closed fist. Living open-handedly, very powerful visual image this, means what I have is yours, all comes from you, of your own, I'm giving you. And if, Lord, you want to prompt me to give something, then my hand is open. And the Lord, I think, up in heaven there is nudging Jesus' right hand and saying, see that, see that, there's an open hand. There's one, there's one we can put something in because we can trust such a person to be able to share what we you know, 
give them to steward. Don't be tight-fisted. And especially in this season, do not be tight-fisted. Be open-handed. Since we started to give on a regular and serious way, we felt that trusting God to provide has been the safest and most sensible response to the many promises that God makes to faithful givers through the Bible. Now, in talking about... um, blessing, financial blessing, as I have telling you these stories, I don't mean to communicate that giving doesn't cost. Like if you give, you're bound to get more back. No, not at all. It does cost. When we first gave towards the buying of land and building this initial building, we emptied our savings account completely. We, uh, we borrowed on our mortgage some more, and then we doubled our regular giving. When the church bought more land and extended the building, we made additional pledges to our building project, uh, for the building project, sorry, such that we were then giving almost 40% of our combined net income back to the church for a few years. And we felt it. We had to go without things that others enjoyed. But when we stopped to consider the impact of our giving, we can see that the fruit Uh, of the work of the church will not just bless and change lives here, but also because of what we give. There'll be countless people in heaven for eternity whose lives will impact through the ministries that we helped pay for. People who would not be there had we not given. How much is another person's soul, an individual soul worth to us? You know, if our giving to the church over all these years enabled just one person to come to Christ, it would have been worth it. As it is, there will be countless numbers of people in heaven because of what God is doing through this church. There is a joy in that you can't really place a value on. What an incredible return on investment that is. And so we can honestly say that our life has not been characterized by financial anxiety, even in times when we have not had much. We sleep well at night knowing that God is faithful to his word. So giving gives us an opportunity to experience God's blessing and his protection. And then finally, it gives us an opportunity to create a culture of generosity. You know, what we sow, we reap. And what we do as leaders, what the leaders in this church do, uh, whether you know it or not, affects the culture of this church. You know, what we did as parents affected our children. Um, In Proverbs, it says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so when our children were little, there were three little boxes. One was for saving, one was for giving, and one was for spending. And from the earliest age, 10p out of every pound went towards giving. We talked about giving that feels good. We talked about giving that is uncomfortable. And I remember when we sat down as a family to talk about uh, giving a significant amount of money away, uh, we talked about what that giving would mean for them. Less sweets, less uh, cinema, less McDonald's. And I remember after several months of no McDonald's, the boys, because we'd said, you know, you'll you'll be blessed. We'll be blessed as a family if we give. And uh, I remember the boys coming back one day after several months saying, when, when will we be blessed? <laughs> we had to explain blessing isn't always financial. Uh, but the truth is, children are actually very generous instinctively. But as they get older and they start to earn their own money, you know, we saw our children give because they believed it was the right thing to do. And uh, I remember one time they came back from the city center having discovered they'd given to the same guy. And then they kind of heard the account of his story and it didn't quite tally out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but they had to sort of navigate the sense of 
actually we've given to Jesus. Uh, whatever, it, it was actually an offering. It was a, it was an, um, a gift to him. Um, when we moved to Nottingham, we came with this dream and this vision that we would be a blessing to our city. And so generosity has been very much part of the culture from the beginning. Six of us left our jobs. We left security to start the church. And initially, everything was paid for by those few. And then, as John mentioned, from the beginning, we began to set apart significant amounts of money uh, to benefit those who weren't in the church. And uh, over the years, those who are, lead the church um, are called to, to show that commitment to the vision uh, through their giving. And just as we talk to our kids about generosity, so we have talked over the years, time and again, about generosity. And, you know, as people brought into the vision, and as they serve, as they gave, we started to see what a generous community could do. You know, we began to embrace the unchurched, reaching out, blessing those around us, visiting the elderly, the sick, the prisoners, mending fences, decorating homes, welcoming strangers. Every time I hear of someone coming to faith, it brings such joy because it is the result of our giving. Everything that comes in fuels the advancement of the kingdom. It pays for the ministries. It pays for the staff, leading people, enabling all of us to make a difference. Just this month, you know, children and uh, we were to bring their friends to a shine party. Uh, we, had a, we had a wonderful family uh, night of fireworks in the car park behind us. We've had men's events. We've got training going on. Uh, but also more folks than ever in small groups all around the city. We have a wonderful pastoral team. We have uh, an amazing alpha course where people come and they get fed great food and they get to ask all sorts of questions and encounter Jesus in that place. God's love for every kind of person is expressed in this church by our giving. This site is evidence of the giving here at Trent. You know, Trent Compassion behind us, a, a huge building, you know, approximately 25,000 square feet, dedicated space for those struggling with all kinds of life issues. We've got a wonderful youth center. We've got about 200 youth who connect in uh, to that youth center, encountering Jesus in a time when young people, like never before, need Jesus. We have a cafe we can bring friends to, and on and on. We've been able to invest and train and plant churches. The vision isn't just a dream now. It really is a reality. Somebody uh, in this church who gives a significant amount regularly, he said, I give to this church because I know the money will be used to make a real difference. And so we give to the vision of your church, this church, but we give to create a culture of generosity. So all of us here today will be in different financial circumstances, and uh, you may already be giving regularly, but you realize maybe that over time your income's grown, but it's a long time since you updated the amount you give. You may not have a regular income, maybe you're a student, maybe you're currently out of work, or it may be that through debt or other current circumstances, you, giving financially just feels like an impossibility. Whether you're already faithfully giving or you're yet to start, I would seriously encourage you to review it, have a look at it, and take some action, maybe this week, if you feel prompted to do so. You'll find the details on how to do this by scanning. There's a QR code here. You can scan that. Or you can go to trentv.org forward slash give. Or there are leaflets, which you can find always in the connect area or on tables at the door. There's actually a misprint in here uh, when it says forward slash giving. It just means forward slash give. 
So uh, if you have trouble getting through, that's what you need to do. Or um, there's also there's a card, display card with a QR code. So as you leave, if you want to just with your phone do that, that will take you to the website. And if you do make any changes, it's really helpful for the finance department, just so they track everything. To if you were to email them at giving at trentbrunion.org, just to let them know. Jesus, who can be absolutely trusted, said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." God loves a cheerful giver, and he promises all sorts of blessing for those who take this subject seriously. Giving generously back to God a portion of what he has given to us gives us an opportunity to worship, to experience joy, to be obedient, to express his nature, to experience God's blessing and his protection, and to create a culture of generosity. God designed us to live generously. And when we live life his way, we tap into the abundant life that he promised.